0: Sales is the most lucrative skill in the world, period. The problem is most sales advice out there today is outdated, cheesy, and can even keep you from getting the deals that can make all the difference in your career. This is the No BS Sales School, a podcast for entrepreneurs and salespeople who want to master the skill of selling without all the BS. Listen. Listen. If you're like me, you hate doing admin crap. Number one, because you're not good at it. And number two, because you know it's taking you away from the stuff that actually makes you money. So why are you doing it? Do what I did. Go to worksbee.com right now and let them pair you with a real executive assistant. Once I started working with Cheryl at Worksbee, my income went up 40% in one month. And my working hours went from 70 down to 40. It's a game changer. Go to worksbee.com right now, book a call, and tell them Walker sent you. If you do, you'll get two extra hours of service for free as a bonus. So if you're ready to finally stop doing the stuff you hate and focus on the stuff that makes you money, go to worksbee.com right now. That's W-O-R-X-B-E-E dot C-O-M. Tell them Walker sent you, and you'll get those two free hours. Welcome to the WS Sales School Podcast. I'm your host, Walker McKay. Those of you that um, listen to me, work with me, know that I don't like BS. And there's a lot of BS that goes on in the world. And among the things that I admire, people who become successful, who are willing to share some of the struggles, right? To share some of the stuff that's been hard for them. And that overnight success is bullshit, right? It happens after often after years of struggle. I know they're tech pros of have overnight success after two months. Well, this ain't about them or for them. So today... I want to to introduce to you my guest, Derek Anderson, who's a friend of mine. We've become friends. And Derek, among other things, is a coach. He's a Vistage coach. He also does EOS. He's a business owner. He's a former Catholic priest. He's a hostage negotiator. Derek is an amazing guy, very smart, with a lot of things to share. He's a high achiever who, believe it or not, has had to make some pretty tough decisions so um, I want to hear about those. So Derek Anderson, welcome to the show. So glad you're here.
1: Thank you, Walker. Great to be here with you today.
0: Derek, you've had quite an interesting, um, kind of blew me away when I found out about your, your past and how you got to where you are today, being a coach and that kind of stuff. Do you mind taking two or three minutes and just kind of share with us your journey? Just hit me the highlights.
1: Sure. Um, it's quite interesting for me too. I never anticipated this path in my life, but right. it's, a, it's also uh, kind of part and parcel of who I am and, and just how I was created. So, um, you know, ever since I was a kid, my mom used to always say, you will never be happy until you're going mock three with your hair on fire. I mean, that was, that was me uh, as, a, as a young lad there. Um, and from a young age, I always wanted to excel. I saw, set goals. Uh, I started karate in third or fourth grade. And as a third or fourth grader, I had an ironclad will and determination to accomplish two things. I said, I will get my black belt and I will never fail a test on that path to get a black belt. So, wow. lo and behold, in high school, that, I ended up achieving that. Um, but that's just kind of who I was. And as I was growing up, you know, I was just so fascinated and amazed by the world around me and the people that I met. And I was just so excited to, uh, to really embrace with both hands the adventure of life. Um, so that's kind of taking me down, as you mentioned, uh, several different paths. And, you know, for a long time, I realized that I think just the way that I was built, um, there's a drive for excellence and I, that there would be nothing else on earth that could really satisfy me than to become a Navy SEAL. So I think really that that um, caught my attention somewhere in the process of doing karate. And um, so how old were
0: you think when you just when you kind of put your eyes on Navy SEAL?
1: I, you know, I, I, I would say probably fifth or sixth grade.
0: Okay. So you're all the way 11 or 12 at that point.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I just started that gave greater determination to get my black belt, hand-to-hand combat, you know, tactics. And I, just, I have a knack to think with both ends or sides of my brain, both strategically and tactically. Yeah. Um, and so I just, I loved all of those things. I love the, concept of a tight-knit brotherhood and being part of something greater than myself so I became a certified scuba diver in high school uh, couldn't wait till I turned 18 to start jumping out of planes um, you know and I was just doing everything that I could to uh, to go that to go down that route um, my uh, my parents became more involved in their faith when I was in high school and we grew up catholic and uh, they started praying on a, on a daily basis. And so my life started changing as I started praying and just developing my own, you know, for the first time realizing uh, the, the, a personal, it's possible to have a personal relationship with God. He's a personal yep. God who knows yep. us personally. So, um, yeah, I started opening my heart to him and I just realized he started having a, a higher calling in life. And so in, uh, there was a change in high school and I thought, you know what, this higher calling, uh, I must be called to be a professional golfer. That's what God wants from me.
0: <laughs> so I'm, you went from, I'm going to uh, get the world is so interesting. It's so interesting people. I'm going to go out and kill them to, Hey, I'm going to go play golf with them now.
1: Correct. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and I thought, <laughs> Hey, you know, I don't have to worry about killing people along the way. So yeah. And, and unless there's some extreme, you know, errant tee off shot. Um, exactly. But, you know, I was a two handicapped. Uh, golfer in high school and, and captain of the golf team so I thought hey maybe I maybe I got a shot at this and uh, anyways took that into college my dad always said hey do find what you're passionate about and follow that path um, and your mom and I will always support you as long as it's not illegal as long as it's not displeasing to God you'll always have it will always have your back so um, off to college, I went, I was fascinated by philosophy and theology and studying scripture and, and all of that. So um, in college, I really felt that God was, you know, this is a much longer story, but I really yeah. felt and came to the conclusion that God was calling me to be a missionary and to be a Catholic priest. And so that's, that was the next path that I set out on. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, and, and was, did that for you 17, 20 years. And, um, you know, was a, as he had mentioned, it went through different levels there and, um, but ordained Let me Stop for a
0: second. And I, yeah, yeah cause this is the, the important part to me is you didn't just go become a missionary and a Catholic priest. You worked your way up through seven levels or something to become, well, tell that, tell a quick version of the steps that you went through to get, I mean, where you worked your way up to. Sure. So out of, I jumped out of
1: college going into my senior year and went down to uh, Belize and Guatemala. I lived on the border of Belize and Guatemala, serving in a mission at a poor uh, Catholic high school that had been really established for the poor and, and those who failed the national exam that allowed you to go on to high school. Yeah. Um, so, really, kind of the poorest of the poor. And I, I loved it. I, got a, I did a spiritual year formation in the deserts of New Mexico with a great group of guys. Um, then from there, I was sent off to Rome. I, so I did further theology, deep theology, and got a couple more degrees there. Uh, I was assigned to a parish in the diocese of Rome. So I learned to speak Italian fluently and loved, loved that experience. Was then assigned as the academic dean of our house of studies for future seminarians. So guys that are studying to, to become priests and- This is still it, in Rome. This is still in Rome. And then um, I was tapped for a position in uh, Northern Jersey. So 2011 ended up um, being assigned to Northern Jersey in a unique place that was an evangelization center, really reaching out to those that had fallen away uh, from the church, you know, unaffiliated, whatever it might be, and, and doing essentially creative, creative outside the box outreach to really connect with people first and foremost where they were, they, mm-hmm. they were at. And simultaneously of doing that, I was also the executive director of the office, what's called the Office of Catechesis. So I oversaw religious education for 110 uh, churches across Northern New Jersey. And um, it was was a dead office when I stepped into it. So really just one about building the right team, getting the right people, and using the resources that I had, which were minimal, to, to really kind of build something that's even remained to today. Um, wow. And then the last step in that process was, <clears throat> um, as we say, no good job goes unpunished. So <laughs> I, was, uh, I was assigned as a pastor of a parish, and it was, it was rather dead. Um, and so I set about the same way that I transformed that office that I was the director of, I, I set that same uh, same approach to the parish, so we grew the parish a hundred percent in the first two years. You went from two got, to four people. Yeah, that's right. Two to four people is amazing, <laughs>
0: including me when coming on board. Of course.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, we uh, had an eighteen hundred member uh, parish, and I, I you know I loved it. I loved what I was doing. I loved the people. Um, they're just to this day a part of my heart. And um, I'll never never forget them. So it's been, that's been fantastic. But I, I really kind of hit a point too where um, the pain that had been growing within me for the past 20 years was kind of hitting a breaking point. So, and, and maybe that's a discussion for for later on.
0: Yes. So so you, you reached this pain and you realized the time for me to stay in the Catholic church, I, I need to move on from here, right? And this was... Right, right. I, I,
1: I just, I, as a qualification, I never... I, I'm very active Catholic and in my parish and everything else. So I never left the Catholic church. I just, I left active ministry. Thank uh, you. And, and essentially because of the obligation for uh, priestly celibacy or, or, you know, not being married and being able to have a family. And, yep. you know, there's a, that's a, that could be a whole other podcast. In, in yeah, absolutely. Itself. It can be. Yeah. So you,
0: so, and we'll go back to that in just a minute, but so, so what happened next? So uh, you went through a lot of, torment and, and worry and figuring out how the world and praying and how do I do this right um and then what
1: well um it, well I can go into the, the the story a little bit you know if you want to jump in now or a little bit later on but well you...
0: let's do let's do this I, and I love you're right let me take over into some questions here yeah let me give you some some uh some questions here so sure. you know do you think I mean, this this innate drive in you is it innate? Where would that come from? Uh, I have no idea, but it's
1: somehow just interwoven into my DNA. It's who you
0: are, right? Yeah, so that's it's was, part of who I am. That's a talent that that you are given, and so, and that has ridden has risen with you in the ranks. Um, it's interesting your focus um, that you have gone all in on so many things. What causes you to do that?
1: Well, I believe in in total commitment.
0: So when I'm when
1: I've actually determined, hey, this is some, this is the path that God has, you know, for me, then I want to be, you know, if that's his plan, I want to be all in on his plan. And and basically that comes, I think, from a conviction that when I was a teenager and started praying, that I realized if if all I did was my own will throughout life, I was going to be miserable. Mm-hmm. And that happiness really. It, it kind of begins to filter in when our lives change direction from going inward to going outward and, and being open to God and, and open yeah. to his plan and, and realizing that all he wants for us is uh, happiness and, and happiness can be a, you know, it can be a load of different people. Yeah. but yeah, we'll it's not, You know, yeah. I I'm, I'm happy when I eat chocolate ice cream, but yeah. on that, that soul level of, of happiness you know, f- and fulfillment, realizing I'm, I'm, I'm doing somebody else's will, and not just my own.
0: All right. So, uh, and this is something that I think probably has a uh, debate has been going on for centuries. Um, and I mean, so many people struggle with that. How do I know? How do I know? And they're looking for some sort of certainty. And my guess is that while even though you have a strong faith and you pray and you're waiting for God's direction. Certainly you've had some uncertainty, some, Oh shit, Mm -hmm. I'm getting ready to do this. How how do you know? How can you tell it's God's will versus you're just taking the wrong path? That's a great question.
1: Um, I think it comes down to solid discernment. Uh, and there's some really good just sound both biblical and church, you know, principles, the the principles of the church's discernment is, yeah, come from scripture so uh i would say first and foremost just putting it completely before god i mean this is how i do it yeah i I, there's a decision that has to be made i just open my heart i put it completely before god i tell him exactly what i would prefer um and then i kind of god laughs and then god God laughs laughs. he he has a good (laughs) chuckle and he's like okay um and then i really leave it i i leave it there and i've as i've you know, growing older and had more experience in life, I've started to find that a, a lot of the answers, are, they're, not, they're not dropping down from the clouds. Right. And so many times we wait for the clouds to part and it'd be this, you know, beam of light and a clear direction. And that, that's not the normal way. God can do that, of course, but that's not the normal way that he does it. He's, he's surrounded us with the answers.
0: That was interesting, I have this, I tell this story. And have you ever seen the movie Scarface? i have not no. it's a matt well i have seen I, the movie i'm familiar scarface. with it but, yeah well scarface to me was an amazing movie and i don't like violent movies like this anymore but um one of the things tony montana who is this cocaine dealer who has built this gigantic empire and he is at the height of his empire right before everything goes to shit and he walks out on the back balcony of this huge mansion and there's there's a party going on there are people there and it's all this fancy stuff and he looks up in the sky and there's a a blimp, but I don't know if it's the Goodyear blimp. Maybe it's the Transamerica. The Transamerica blimp. Anyway, uh, on the bottom, maybe Trent maybe Goodyear wouldn't license their name. Maybe they made a Transamerica. <laughs> but there was one of those a scrolling sign on the bottom, one of those lights like you see up on a movie venue. And it said the world is yours. Fly Trent, maybe it's Pan America. Something like that. <laughs> the world is yours and and Tony Montana took that as a sign. I tell people very rarely will you get a sign that says, Hey, you're doing the right thing. Right. I think Tony Montana ended, you know, I mean, it didn't end well for him. So maybe that was another lesson there in the same part, but it's yeah. often not a come to Jesus burning Bush moment. It's correct. a direction and how yeah, him, right?
1: And, is that right. It, that's correct. I, I'd say, um, just in summary form, either number one, interiorly there's, you know, you, you really kind of set it number one, objectively, according, I mean, this is how I do it, of course. Yeah. Um, I uh, set it up according to the norms of discipleship that are, are really there in the parameters. And then I move, you know, there's freedom to move within that. Uh, that's number one. So on the objective piece outside of myself, and then number two, I, you know, if it's not so much, a, you know, it's not a moral issue, but it's like which good direction should I go? Yeah, which way? Yeah. I kind of, I look for that uh, interior peace and, and lack of disturbance And then uh, number two, if there is not any kind of interior disturbance, that also is a is a sign. So there might not be something positive that says, hey, go this route. But when I put it before God and there's no interior obstacle or disturbance that's coming up, that's another way that God actually confirms decisions. So So I hear you. Well, I
0: hear hear you. But but um, I mean, surely when you're making some of these decisions there's fear. Yeah. And oh, surely yeah. there are, um, I mean, there's stuff you're like, you know, I hope this is right. I'm trusting in you, you know, oh. holy shit. So, so oh. tell me, cause you've, you've had several moves like that. Tell me how that, how does that play in?
1: Yeah. Oh, that that's, I mean, that is the epitome of our state when, you know, when, there are no obstacles coming up with, say within the soul. And um, there's no, has, hesit- you know, there's, there's nothing, no block saying, Hey, don't do this. Don't go this route. Um, when that happens. And we're, and we're still waiting for the sign. We're waiting for God to act according to our norms yeah, and what our timeframe, yeah, yep. our time frame, how we want it communicated, And he doesn't operate like that. Then all of that fear comes in and it's like, Oh crap. You know, now, I know that there's no obstacles and I've got to take the initiative. I've got to do this. And that's where all the fear comes in, all the doubts, all the questions. And then you start down that path and you're kind of like, hmm, now, did I, am I just making this up or, you know? So it's helpful to reflect yeah. and, yeah. and review how you came to the decision, that it was a solid decision, it was well discerned. You And the other thing I do is I run it by other people that I really trust. So having that outside objective perspective is, is critical. So it's not just, you know, me in my own head.
0: Also, one of the things I tell people about decision-making, and, and I, I don't know, if, I think you probably agree with me. If you make a decision to make a change, mm-hmm. whatever that would be, and you figure out some period of time later that you made a decision that is no longer an optimal decision, right? you make another decision to get out. Right. To change. Right. And it's and perhaps that's part of the divining process as well, that that you realize that, I mean, every decision you make it, I I believe in a lot of cases, they're they're illegal and they're immoral. Decisions, but I think making most decisions, it just takes us down a different rich path. I'm not so sure there's good and there's bad necessarily. I know there are not every decision's,
1: yeah, a moral decision. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's not black and white. And so it's we make a decision that'll take us down a down a one rich path one way. If we went the other way, it takes us down a different rich path. And so, um, and if you don't like the way things are going, you make a decision to change like we do every single day. How do you deal with so you clearly have had lots of you know fear, anxiety, and doubt, Mm -hmm. which you blanket over. With your strong faith.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: How do you, how do you, I mean, when you wake up in the middle of the night sometimes, you go, Holy shit, what am I doing?
1: Yeah, sure. What do you, what do you like tell yourself?
0: <laughs> what do you tell yourself when you're doing that though? What do you tell yourself in your brain when it's when you're freaking panicking?
1: Well, you know, it is, it is about a mindset. And like I said, taking, for me, taking those decisions and making, um, making sound, taking sound steps to ensure that I'm making the best decision I can make at the given time with the the means that I have available to me, you know, I reflect back onto that moment. And I said, you know, I did the best that I could at this point, and I didn't have the knowledge or the experience that I have now back then. So, you know, you have to give yourself a pass. You can't, you can't be, you got to be humble about it and say, yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm here. This is where I'm at. Now what? Now these are the cards that I have to play with. And I, and I, and I move forward. So it's the, the key then is to really face your fears, to place your trust in God, as I would say, and to to take steps to move forward. So life is not clear. And as you get older, you know, it's more and more of a mystery Uh, unseen things come your way and you have to adapt and you know, when you're in your twenties, it's very different picture. You have a very different mm-hmm. worldview. It's very, you know, answers are very clear, and everything's right in front of you. And it's, you know, yeah, you got life it's completely it. Out. clear. You got that all figured <laughs> out. You just got to tell everybody in their thirties, forties, fifties, sixties, and seventies, eighties, and nineties how to do it. Yeah.
0: One of my first, one of my favorite New Yorker cartoons is a is a picture. Sorry to, of, sorry to cut you of, off. I'm just saying that because that's
1: a self conviction of me and my parents. oh, shit, me
0: too. <laughs> so one of so, my favorite, one of my favorite New Yorker cartoons is two. 20 something sitting at a coffee table and they're laughing you know a table and coffee shop laughing and it says um 20 somethings who realize they figured the whole fucking world out <laughs> you know good for that, you good luck that that
1: was for that was me throughout my teens 20s and probably a good chunk of my 30s too <laughs> so yeah we've
0: yeah. all been there It's so much better. Yeah. my son, my 18 year old now he doesn't need to go to college he already knows everything What in the hell, right? And from his experience. So, so what, um, what's been the thing that has, um, what's the decision that you made that you thought was one that was the right decision Mm -hmm. that you realized afterwards, I may have been following my own path instead of something God set up for me. What's what's the decision and tell me about it.
1: Well, I mean, the biggest one for me was, um, the conviction that i was called to be a catholic priest mm-hmm. i mean hands down the, the largest you know life decision that i made and and uh there's more of a background to this that you know throughout in throughout college especially in the first couple of years of college i had a lot of people telling me you know you're you're called to be a catholic priest and you know just kind of suck it up and uh and accept the fact that God's calling you. So, um, and and me with just my immaturity and, and you know, all in attitude that just kind of carried over or right? I just knelt down I, and I told, I told the Lord, I'm like, I will never say no to you. And so the hell if I'm going to start now. And um, so I say yes. And, and I, I give you that and that's a final yes. So I, I said that when I was 19 years old. And I never questioned it. In fact, any thought or any suggestion from the outside to even question whether that it was accurate or a good decision or the right decision for me, I just blew it off as really as a temptation. And, you know, I'd get pretty upset
0: with anybody who who brought that up. But so let's talk about this, though. So, I mean, what do you believe at this point that it was not God calling you to become a priest? Yeah. You don't believe. See, I, I would. I mean, you know you better than me, but I would say to someone in your position, I would say maybe you were called to be a priest mm-hmm. and then you were called away from that.
1: Yeah. Um, th-
0: it wouldn't, that wouldn't be uh, necessarily the, the Catholic
1: perspective because, of course, you know, you, you're going in, you, you do go all in. And that's I'm an uh,
0: Episcopalian, so we change the time. So I get it. Yeah. So, so that, that, I mean,
1: that, and that's, you know, you commit to it. And yep. um, unless you have some kind of validly reason for, you know, for uh, stepping out of it, then you know that you stay you stay committed to it. So well,
0: how scary was it? If that's the case, to be able to say, "I was just kidding," "I was wrong," I mean, that had to, to tell your boss, if you will, and your congregation. I mean, that had to be a huge, I mean, a scary thing. It was terrifying. Um the most terrifying
1: thing I ever did was the interior work prior to that. I was I'd say that was the most the second most terrifying thing was, you know, uh, making that public and announcing it. but uh, the the most terrifying that I, thing that I ever did was um, I ended up going to, I had a, a confessor, so as a Catholic, you go and confess your sins to a priest, even as a priest you go and confess your sins to a mm-hmm. priest. So who um, who I had for years, he had known me for many years. And I later found out that he was also a psychologist. So I would bring stuff to him, you know, outside of the context of confession. i just simply say, you know, I'm having these these thoughts or... So he was the one who, who really said to, you know, to be honest with you, you're exhibiting signs of some form of repression. I was like, oh, crap. Oh,
0: That's shit, gonna... here we go down <laughs> this. Oh, no, not you me know. too.
1: You're like, hey, was I just... You know, was I abused as a kid and right. you know, blacked out those memories, you know, all these crazy stuff, all things go through your mind. And it's just, you know, for three days, I avoided it. And I went back, you know, I'd passed by the church, I, you know, inside the, the you know, the the rectory where I lived, we had a chapel. I passed by the chapel. I kind of popped in like, Hey Lord, too busy. Got to go. Okay. bye. Hey. So, yeah. um, you know, that was my, I was just too terrified. And, and finally, I I actually knelt down and I just prayed. And I was terrified for so many reasons. Number one, I didn't know what was with him. I didn't know what it was. Um, I was never really familiar with repression per se. Um, then number two, I didn't know what it was going to look like when it came up. And I didn't know or could, could control any of that. And then number three, yep. I had no idea where it was going to lead me.
0: Yeah, you're open up so, a huge can of worms. Once you open that shit up, you can't close that, but you can't close it again. Exactly. Yeah.
1: So I uh at the end of my prayer there, I just kind of I just surrendered and I, I said, Lord, all I pray is that this is not displeasing to you. Number one, I know you want us to be whole on the human level. So um, you know, you don't want us to repress things. So, you know, I give you permission, I give myself permission, I give whatever permission I need to give, I give it. Mm-hmm. And so for the next 40, 45 days probably had a, a list, or no, over the next four weeks or so, four or five weeks, had a list of about 40 or 45 bullet points that and they weren't really memories. Number one, there was no abuse. Uh, just <laughs> follow that up with case okay, so people are interested in. Um, it was just um, memories that I had had that I was cognizant of but had never connected the dots with. I never um, reflected on them. And so there was a lot of insight um, and, and I, I kind of got to the point where I realized that this was never a good fit. Like the life, like yeah. while I enjoyed what I was doing as a priest and enjoyed working with the people that I was uh, working with, the type of the, the style of life was not a good fit for me. And some guys, it's, fan, it's a fantastic fit and they're yep. flourishing. And yep. um, so, but for me, that wasn't the case. And it was kind of, you know, grin and bear it. I, you know, when I, when this I first This is going to work
0: out. It's, everything's hard. God's with me on this. And you say those things to yourself, right?
1: And and I, I look back and I had this pivotal conversation when I first started seminary. It was hell. I had a four hour commute every day and not enough oh. food, heat. Oh and yeah, it was bad. Um, 23 of us in a, in a building made for six. Uh, so it was really bad. Um, and there was a, it was kicking my butt and one of the other guys that was in the seminary with me, he said, Hey, let's go for a walk. He had, he was a retired, uh, special force operator, you know, army. And he said, Hey, you know, I know that you want to become a seal and and all of this, but you know, this is like, treat this like buds, treat this like boot camp. If you're going to survive, you can't look left or right. Don't think about what's behind you. Don't look too far ahead. Just do the task in front of you. And when you're done with that, do the next one. When you're done with that, do the next one. Yep. So you got to flip that switch, otherwise you're not going to survive. So I did. And uh went into survival mode. And but the problem is I never flipped the switch off. Right. You, know, you can't live in survival mode. That's so not for long. Not not for long. I mean, I did it for a long time, but.
0: <laughs> well it usually
1: does not end well luckily yeah you know, right you know i i i had to face the fears and it was you know it it was crushing but
0: so tell me something what give give my give the no BS sales team a couple of pieces of advice what's something that going through what you've gone through what would you tell somebody else who is struggling with a decision or is a big life altering thing. And they're trying to figure it out. What kind of advice would you give them? No going from where you've come from. Well, number one,
1: um, sometimes our fear is the thing that we fear the most. Um, Right. uh, And when you actually face it down and you go, you pass, you don't go around it. You you go through it. And when you go through it. uh, Yeah, it's hell, but you know what? It's, you you look back and you say, you know, it would be more of a hell to have not gone through this. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you know, I'm standing on the other side of this now. It, it was hell and on so many different fronts. It was terrifying on so many different fronts, internal, external, you know, you name it. But, you know, I've never been so happy or content with life ever. I've mm-hmm. never been this, had this level of contentment or happiness. So, um, you know, and I knew I, I, I was making the right decision and the s- decisions I had made in the past were, were not the right <laughs> decisions. And, and there was a clear path that, you know, the Catholic church had set up for me to, uh, request, you know, the, the, uh, the dispensation yeah, I I to be able to step away, you yeah. know, for valid reasons. So,
0: you know, and I, I um, anyway, I know that you are strongly believe that um, you made the wrong choice to go into priesthood. Whether you did or not, I, you know, I don't know. But I would tell you that making that decision, right, led you to the path where you are today. And had you not, right. I don't know that you, again, you would have gone a different path, right? So, um, but anyway, tell me something then. Um, how would somebody, you're in Columbia, South Carolina. Yep. You're, a vistage, you're a Vistage leader. You're, a, you're an EOS. Um, implementer. Implementer. How would somebody find you if they wanted to talk to you or see if you could help them with their business? Well, the best
1: way to, to really reach me um, for either of those is, you know, just drop me a line over your email there. So it'd be my name, Derek, D-E-R-E-K, dot Anderson, A-N-D-E-R-S-O-N. And then the, uh, my company's name is Avanti Leadership. So it's Avanti, A-V-A-N-T-I, dash leadership.com. Okay. So oh, if you want to reach Derek,
0: Derek.Anderson at Avanti-Leadership.com. Um, Derek, thank you so much for being on the show. It's um, I'm always fascinated by the paths that people take and how they make decisions. What I've loved is that you didn't make a single damn excuse, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You've, you've faced all this yourself, you've internalized that this is what's happened This is where I am, where I am. And from here, we move forward. I think that's such a, that's a huge deal. And I think that's kind of who you are, right? And that's,
1: thank you. And it is. And it's what I want to be able to provide other CEOs and business leaders, Mm -hmm. because we, everybody, you transfer that over to the business realm. What conversation are you terrified to have with one of your employees? Who's the toxic employee who's performing well, but is killing the culture? You know, what are those tough decisions you're afraid to make and keep putting off and procrastinating? You know, so we have these fears, even on the business level, in addition to the personal level, that when we start to face them and, and move through them, that's the good news that I'm bringing is there's hope and yeah. there's a lot more waiting for you. And uh, and so that's really what I'm in the business of is helping people experience that transformation with whatever tool they need, whether it's a Vistage group uh, or you know, helping them and their leadership teams with through EOS. You know, right awesome. now, I'm really focused on the Vistage group piece of it um launching here in Colombia. So I'm just trying to connect with uh with CEO leaders who are growth minded, who are not satisfied with mediocrity. They desire to excel, that are open, honest, vulnerable, and, and and to give them hope and say, yeah, there there is hope out there for you. So awesome. love to explore that.
0: Hey Derek, thank you so much for being a part of the show. No BS sales team, I hope you listened and picked up some um some tips from this, some things that you're going to go doing forward. How about do me a favor, but drop me a line? Walker at walkermckay.com. If you want to copy Derek Anderson, that'd be great. Or even better, go to LinkedIn and post what you learned today with a link to this podcast. Put put in the comments what it was you learned. Let's share this with other people who need to hear it. Thank you so much, Derek. Thank you for being on the show. I appreciate you very much. Thank you.
1: Appreciate you. Appreciate your listeners.
0: Talk
1: soon. Take care.